You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I'm the producer of this podcast. In this two-part series, Candace and Cher discuss what reenactments are, how we end up in them, and how to move out of them. Unhealthy reenactments cause pain to ourselves and others. The first step, understanding. Listen in as Candace and Cher process how reenactments originate as a survival skill when there is childhood trauma, but eventually causes problems in adulthood. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candace. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I'm going to just take a quick second and introduce our listeners to, or remind, I guess I'll use that word, that we have a workshop coming up in a couple of weeks called, Can I Really Change the Art of Healing from Childhood Wounds? And it's coming up on January 23rd. It's a Monday. We'll offer it twice, once in the morning at 10 central time, once in the evening at 7 p.m. Central Time. And we're excited about engaging with our listeners on some information about the brain and how the brain convinces us that we can't change, but that you and I both know and have experienced real change. Then also an exercise that can help people identify what are the particular things that are keeping them stuck in their reenactments of not being able to make the changes that their hearts really long for. So go to our Facebook page at Processing Trauma Out Loud and sign up there. Yeah, when you talk about change, that we can change, well, the reason why we can change is because we can heal. Yeah. That can, that can That's the place that it can feel overwhelming, right? That maybe it's just too much. And you and I both have felt that way at times. But we've also experienced a very slow, but effective and hopeful journey that we can heal and we will continue to heal. Yeah. And not just you and me, like we are now in a community of people who are healing. Mm -hmm. And so to really give hope Mm -hmm. to people who have tried and tried and tried and didn't feel like they could really achieve healing. But we are in a community of people who are healing and who are experiencing just a new way of life that incorporates changes in relationships that are really meaningful and the ability to feel loved deep at the core place of their being. Which really leads us to our topic today which is going to be a two-part series on reenactments or reenactment patterns. It can take a long time to even see that we are in a pattern because this is all unconscious. These, These aren't things that we are necessarily aware of. Now, we may be aware that these patterns that we bump into cause us pain that we don't like them, that we don't understand them, but we feel compelled to keep moving towards them. And that's where the shame comes in. Why would I keep moving towards or choosing things that I know is going to bring me pain? Whether that's relationships that are toxic or an addiction or being critical and judgmental towards others, 
or the need to feel better than other people, or maybe the need to feel worse than other people. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of what we end up reenacting and living in. And so we're going to have a conversation today, a little bit about what reenactment is and why it's so important to really understand and what we can do about that. Yeah. And I know for myself, just understanding this concept of reenactment, it's like it enabled the light bulb to go on for me. Mm. And I think that's been true of so much of the whole healing journey is learning the vocabulary, learning the concepts of what is typical for those who have experienced childhood trauma. And then being able to recognize that, oh, this is normal. This is normal for someone who has childhood trauma. And then to be able to begin to recognize how does this show up? How do reenactments show up in my life? And today we're going to talk a little bit more about the concept and about how we can recognize it. And then next week, we'll share a few more stories that can really help our listeners understand how does this show up in our lives? and. What do we do about it when we see it? One thing that I've noticed is when someone doesn't understand this, oftentimes they'll look at someone who's doing the work and they'll feel like they're making excuses. Because of that, I'm this way. Well, the truth is because of that, And the way that our brain develops and our body and our emotions, of course, we are going to need healing. Of course, we're going to suffer consequences of that. Mm. So bringing in that understanding isn't about making that excuse of, well, that's just the way I am because of this. Yeah. And I want to say that that attitude towards people who are doing the work needs to stop. Mm. It is the attitude that will cause people to go inward, to go dark, to feel alone, and for some to commit suicide. I know that's a strong statement, but it's just true. Well, and I think the reality is, is that when we are reaching for healing, we have enough of our own self-judgment and Mm self-contempt. And then when we feel that from others and it just gets piled on top, it's it's so painful. And at the same time, we recognize that our reenactments hurt the people who we Mm -hmm. are in relationship with. So it's kind of the catch-22 of it's hard to accept others doing their healing work if we haven't done our own healing work, to accept others who are becoming aware of their reenactments when we aren't even aware of our own. So, of course, we encourage the whole world, do do your healing work so that we can experience life in in a different way. I have just recently in the last several years been aware of my reenactments in a way that I've been able to slow down and be aware and start to heal. My reenactments weren't a secret. In fact, they were quite public, (laughs) but there were no true helpers who understood this, or at least I didn't encounter that for, for many years to where I had people that were moving in up close with such deep love and compassion. They didn't say it was okay. Yeah. 
they didn't try to protect me from consequences. They just said, there's more to this story that's going on than you know. And yeah. that that changed everything, Cher. Yeah. Let's talk about what are some of the typical, or I don't even want to say typical. What are some familiar reenactments to help people understand what we're talking about here? So for example, I'll just say the person who shows up late everywhere they go, they really intend to be on time. Every day they intend to be on time and they often end up showing up late. This is kind of a small thing in a way, but it's a reenactment that comes from something that is written into their story. There's a certain level of painfulness or irritation that they have for themselves or that they maybe feel from other people. Just showing up late or being disorganized or these can be typical reenactments that we find ourselves caught in behaviors that we wish we could change, but we keep showing up the same way day after day. What are some other things that would just be typical reenactments that can help our listeners understand what is it that we're talking about here? And those may seem like little things, but to the person there, there is an internal pain because they, they don't like that they are in that. But before I share a few, I just want to read this statement that we had talked about before the conversation. It's important to understand that reenactments aren't just about behaviors. So reenactment is finding ourselves compelled subconsciously to repeat the same scenario, whether it's behaviors, thoughts, sensations, beliefs, emotions, or perceptions over and over again. It is the reality of our limbic brain that causes us to reach for something familiar to gain a sense of control. And this is all done subconsciously. So when you look at the person that's late over and over again, you might say, well, you can just choose to show up on time. But it's actually, there's a pain for them in showing up on time. We don't understand that pain. We don't know where it came from, but there is a pain for them on showing up in time. And there is a story behind it. So that's not a new scenario, but I'm thinking of, Okay, let's just say that as a child, you have a parent who you love. It was very critical of you. And maybe they even framed their criticism as motivation. So you learned that to be motivated, you had to be criticized. But you also knew at a human level, because of the way you were created, that we weren't created to be criticized. So there is a pain there for you. But you're not going to argue with your parent about it because your parent is right. So you grow up and all of a sudden you realize all of these relationships that you're in, or most of them, are with people that criticize you. So you're drawn towards it. You almost, in a way, feel like you need it to feel okay. And you also have pain. It's a bind. You don't know why. And yet you do start to recognize. Like we can start to recognize the patterns, but we still don't know how to get out of them. And so I want to ask you, let's talk about this same person. What happens when that person encounters someone that doesn't criticize them, but loves them? Mm. 
Yeah. And I want to just put the word toxic there that in, in having a toxic relationship doesn't mean that other person is bad, but mm-hmm. there's some level of the interaction is toxic for me in my healing journey or toxic for me in my well-being. The criticism is familiar. Our brain latches on to that familiarity. And even though we maybe don't like it, we keep going toward that kind of relationship because it feels familiar. So there's pain there, but then we meet the person who is kind and gentle and maybe affirming. And I think what happens a lot of times then is we look at them with suspicion. Ooh, this person doesn't feel safe to me because it feels like they're a flatterer or it feels like they're luring me in. And I'm more familiar with that hard edge that tells me how I'm not showing up right or not doing it right. I know how to cope with that. But when somebody comes at me with kindness, that doesn't feel very good to me. That feels scary. Well, and you mentioned, I had said to you earlier, I said familiar equates to safety and you just added the perception of safety. So familiar isn't necessarily safe, but familiar is what our bodies will tell us is safe. Or I would say our limbic brain tells us that we're safe when in reality, we're not. Yeah. Because the critical person in our life might feel safe, but they're really not. Mm -hmm. The kind person doesn't feel safe because we don't really know what to do with that. And so we fear that that legitimate, pure goodness or even pure love that feels more scary to our brain than what we know and what we're familiar with. Which really leads to why is this important to understand? Because healing is about a new story. We want a new story. We want a story that involves the healing of old wounds and the strengthening of our resilience and our core of who we are so that we can love ourselves and love others well. I've often thought about letting go of the old story and moving into the new story has been actually one of the most painful things I've ever done. Wow. Can you talk about what does that pain, when you use the word pain, what does that pain feel like? That pain for me has felt like, because, and I'll just mention real quick, especially being an eight on the Enneagram, Mm -hmm. (laughs) powering up and feeling like I'm in control feels like safety. Letting go of an old story, even though there's pain, I have my ways of being in control of that. Letting go of the old story And considering that I don't feel certain that the predictability is gone, I could get hurt again, right? So when I say pain, I also want to put in there fear, like the fear of the unknown. Yeah. Even though logically somebody on the outside would be like, well, why wouldn't you want that new story? Why does the unknown feel scary? Well, because it takes us back to that part in our childhood where the unknown was scary, where the unpredictable meant there were going to be bad things happen and you had no control over it. Mm-hmm. Right. 
and that being in control, even the ways that as a child, you figure it out how to Mm -hmm. be in control of your world in some ways, we all do this. Then there was a sense of safety, even though you weren't Mm -hmm. safe, you weren't in control, but you had that sense and your brain, our brains always will figure out a way. And so now you're confronted with something that's truly good and your whole body and brain says, no, 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 not going there. I just think this is such a good and important topic because I'm seeing shifts in my life of things that are are truly not only giving me more clarity over my development and my story. I know you are too with the story work you've been doing, the group work, and how much you have just really focused on caring for your littles. We're seeing good things, but we also know there are so many people that are in the pain of why can't I heal? Why can't I change? How do I keep ending up in these cycles? And so I look forward to sharing more on our next episode where where we'll both share some some more personal stories to hopefully give our listeners some more hope. Yeah, and I think we can ask our listeners to spend a little bit of time thinking about you and I spend a lot of time doing our own work. (laughs) I do a ton of journaling and we process trauma out loud. We talk about things we read and, and to encourage our listeners to really give a little bit of thought to this, maybe with a journal in your hand about what are some areas of reenactment that you find yourself caught in over and over? What are the things that you wish you could change? But here I am again in the same kind of relationship or stuck in the same old behaviors that I wish I could change. And yet here they are again. What are the particularities that show up in your life that cause you to say, I wish that this could be different and I don't know how to make it different. Mm -hmm. And then also maybe look a little bit at what is the pain that you feel specifically, get as specific as you can. What is the pain that you feel because you are caught in these reenactments? And then what is the pain that comes up in you or the uncomfortableness, the anxiety, the sensations in your body when you consider moving toward doing it differently? Be really specific because if we stay in the in the realm of general, we can't hone in on what is the specific pain that we feel when we think about actually right. doing it differently. Yeah, those are good questions. And I like that you're encouraging our listeners to kind of get as specific as they can about the pain. That doesn't mean they have to get specific or understand the story right away. Yeah. It's more focusing on that. And I and I just want to say all of that, whether you do this or not, does not change the fact that you are loved and worthy of belonging. You are worthy to be with on this journey if it takes until your deathbed. There's no expiration date on starting this, how long it takes. I I think what I want to come clear is you don't change or heal to get loved. You change and heal through love. Mm. And you change and heal to recognize that you are already lovable. Oh, yeah. I've said many times, I, I tell my grandsons, I ask them almost every time I'm with them, they call me BB. Why does BB love you so much? 
And their automatic response now always is because I'm so lovable. (laughs) And and I wanted to instill that in them. Like they are so innately lovable just because they are. And that is true for every single one of us. And how desperately we needed to hear that when we were children and not just hear the words, I love you, but for somebody to convince us. You are so lovable and I love who you are. And I love Candace. I love who you are and I love being with you. I do. And you are, and I am too. And yes, there's no time frame on this. This is a process and you and I continue to experience healing and freedom from reenactments. We have so much compassion for the journey. Like the journey is life, really. Yeah. And I would say only compassion, (laughs) only love. Do we have to challenge one another sometimes? Absolutely. A good coach will tell a player what they're capable of. It's been such a joy to be on this journey with you. And I look forward to many, many years ahead of just continuing to grow and heal together. It was good to be with you today. You too, Candice. And I look forward to coming back next week and talking more about this. Me too. Love Love you. you. Love you too, friend. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. Music was created by Kayla Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.